Hi there, I'm Robert Netkin, host of the Information Security Podcast. Today, we are live from the Information Security Summit 2019 event in Cleveland, Ohio, where thought leaders and industry experts come together for three days of intriguing discussion, networking, and learning. I have one of those thought leaders, actually a thought evangelist, which is uh, an interesting title. Mr. Grant, is it Asplund? Is Asplund, that's right. I said that right? Yes, you did it perfectly. So, so Grant, tell me about you. Tell me about what is Dome 9? Boy, that's, uh, how long's the show here? You've asked two questions that I could take all the time about me and Dome Well, 9. we'll try to do it in 15 minutes-ish, maybe yeah, 20 or yeah, something like that. No, you I'll, know, I'll, I'll, I'll abbreviate it. We want to do, you know, because this is a podcast. People sure. are going to be listening to this driving down the freeway. Sure. You know, we want these people to stay awake now. That's right. That's and we right. want to give them valuable information. Well, I've got some, I, I think I've got a little bit. So, me, I got into the computer industry in 1983, and I couldn't spell computer managed to meet with some success and have been in it ever since. I opened the office for Apple Computer up in Alaska back in 87. My first entree into security, I was with a company that was the first in the world to port Bind to Windows. Good old Bind. Yeah. DNS. Yeah, baby. Checkpoint ported, acquired Wait, wait a minute. Ported to, you, you mean Microsoft didn't write their own bind? Well, yeah, it's called Active Directory. No, in, in fact, back in the mid-90s, a lot of people were eager to get onto this thing called the Internet, but they were using Microsoft networks, and Microsoft networks had no DNS, and so there was no way to resolve, right? You couldn't find a website. You couldn't find anything without DNS. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so the only thing that was available was bind, which was Unix, and so the company MetaInfo worked to port that code to the Windows platform and had the first available Windows DNS, 450 bucks, sold it on the internet only. This uh, is in the 90s. Pretty, the product launched in 96, and it was actually in the spring of 98. So you're one of the veterans of IT, you know, this history going back into yeah, the 90s and 80s and so forth. You're... You're I never think of it like that, Robert, but I guess, you know, I'm, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, the first purchase order that Warehouser issued for a Macintosh computer, they gave to me. Alaska Airlines, the first purchase order they issued for a Macintosh, they gave to me. So that, that was cool. That, it is kind of cool. A yeah, little piece you, of history, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... it's Meaningful to those of us in, inside the, the cyber bubble, the yeah. IT bubble. I've been you know, around, we get a kick. I have one of those uh, wires cut to the specific length that light travels in a nanosecond from Grace Lee Hopper. Nobody outside IT cares about that. Yeah. Nobody knows who but Grace Lee fun. Hopper is outside of IT. Exactly. But well, no, I, I, I appreciate that kind yeah, of thing. Well, thank you. It's, I think for me anyway, what I see as the most remarkable is I have, you know, I mean, I moved out of my mom's house when I was 16 years old. I managed to get a high school diploma. I don't have any formal education. I'd never touched a computer. I was selling fishing tackle and knives for a wholesale distributor at 20 years old. And we went out the next year and bought an Apple II to manage our inventory. And then a few months later, the owner said, hey, we should be selling these, not fishing tackle. Because we were just a small little tertiary supplier. I mean, if we did 800,000 annually, it was like amazing, right? And there were eight employees. So we... Got an Apple dealership application, worked and worked and worked and submitted it and waited by the mailbox, you know, for weeks. And then we got the letter 
and we heard declined. How, oh, man. It was like the <laughs> I thought most, you were going to say you got it. No, I mean, you know. we, we were declined. But what we were declined for was the location because it was the location was a particular area that the one and only dealer in the entire county had already submitted a request for the location. And so we were like really depressed, but then we fortunately went on and read, however, we were quite impressed with your application and we've done our own research and we think we have a location that would be good if you'd consider it. So it ended up, uh, we got the benefit of the research from all the MBAs at Apple and actually got a far better location than what we had originally submitted for. So fast forwarding to the present day from, yep. from good old hardware on our desks, in our closets, yep. in our computer rooms, everybody's now moving the hardware out, sort of like full circle. Where, somebody you know, else's some hardware. Somebody else's hardware, yep. you know, sent from decentralization back to centralization. So this whole thing migrating to the cloud. Yep. From your perspective, why is that a big deal? I mean, so the executives are saying, all right, let, let's the cloud thing. Let's do that cloud thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. Next topic. Yeah, you know, Robert, I'll tell you. So there, it's interesting. If we go way back, like the era we were talking about, I, I jokingly say Arco and BP, that my customers in Alaska, they had their own cloud. It was called a mainframe, right? And, and the way you got the data was you used a terminal. Well, today, I would argue uh, the terminal is your browser <laughs> and the cloud is maybe not a single mainframe, but obviously a collection in, in the sky. Centralized idea. Yeah, but repeating itself in many regards. I think what's most extraordinary, and I talk about this a lot, we learn in chemistry that the combination of different ingredients has different results. And oftentimes the quantity of those even ingredients, the even the shape. So I always say, HO is far different than H2O, right? Well, if you look at bandwidth, connectivity, and compute, we've had them all for a long time. I mean, they're fundamentals. But what's happening right now is the enormity of each of those. Bandwidth off the hook, compute, at the uh, my parents just moved to switch. an apartment. They have fiber in their apartment. Exactly. They they have a gigabit to their apartment. They're only using three hundred megabit. Of course. Only three hundred megabit. I know. Symmetrical. Robert, I talk and I hold my phone up and I say, you know, we do our audience a disservice when we call this a phone. That first Mac I mentioned earlier that I sold to Warehouse and Alaska Airlines had 512K of RAM, no fixed disk. This has got 64 gigabytes. And, and it runs old. on a 3.6 volt battery. I mean, it's it's truly extraordinary. It is. It really is. So, the, but the, I think what's most exciting about the cloud is the ephemeral aspects, the elastic aspects, that's what's gotten really exciting. That we So can, the cloud's going to solve all our problems? Well, I, I, I don't know that I would suggest it's going to solve all, all our problems. It'll certainly introduce some new challenges, but it's going to offer some pretty exciting capabilities. Wait a minute. Doesn't, doesn't the cloud take care of all of our security needs? <laughs> yeah. I, I say that a little sarcastically, but even my producer gets it because I'm reading that question almost verbatim here. So here's the bottom line. In the same, I mean, it's, uh, who was it, Yogi Berra or somebody that said it's deja vu all over again? If we go, if we go back to virtualization, you remember it, right? When the fact that we were all looking at servers in our data centers running at 6 to 12% and we were hating it, thank you, Stanford, all of a sudden we got virtualization, right? Yeah, so now you can have four and, computers and, and, running and, in the mind of exactly. one computer. And everybody was thrilled. We're going to save so much money. It's going to be so great. But... 
What happened was new challenges got introduced. V-Motion, right? Inter-VM communications. You didn't have the tools to be able to see that. And we all know the fundamental beginning of security is being able to see it. That administrator nerd that we've had working for two years, he, he doesn't just magically know all of this stuff? This is the misnomer. I think this is actually minute, one of the we're, biggest we're, threats. You know, we're, we're paying him. You know, we, we gave him like a 2.5% raise last year. He doesn't know all of this stuff. Yeah, of He's course. He's supposed to know all this stuff. Yeah, the information's supposed to fall from the sky. And it's one of the themes that I speak about. I'll talk about it in my keynote this afternoon. In fact, we had, you know, so I have my own podcast I mentioned. I had a great guest that understands and really an expert on DevOps, DevSecOps. And, you know, the potential the cloud introduces is enormous. But what happens is we don't properly train our people, so they go in and make the same mistakes that they used to make in a fixed data so, center. So what are, let's talk about some of those mistakes, because yeah. I think not a week goes by now that we're not hearing about a breach caused with a, an AWS bucket that's configured and it's left wide open yep. to exploits. Yep. This is a cloud resource, yep. and nobody would debate that Amazon has their act together. Absolutely, better and, and than any any enterprise could no, build a I, data center, and, no and question. And they, they know their data center, and they offer their data center to their customers, yep. and then their customers take it and it's- Muck it up. It, well, and roll your own solutions, but <laughs> exactly. they don't roll in the security. That's available, but they don't use it. Yeah, well, so there's a couple of things. I think, you know, one of the things I talk about and I tell people is I feel like we're all busier than a three-headed cat at a bird show, right? We all have so much to do, but we just don't have the bandwidth to do it. This is exacerbated because technology is outstripping our ability to keep up. If you look at the new components, services that are getting introduced by Amazon, Microsoft, Google, on a daily basis, you can't keep up. And this is the problem. And Robert, I talk about this as well. I've heard this before. I'm the manager, you're the engineer. Hey, Robert, you familiar with the load balancer? Robert, yeah, I've been using F5s for the last three, four years. Okay, great. Well, we're moving to the public cloud. They got this ELB. You going to be able to do that? Oh, sure. It's just a load balancer, right? So that's the elastic load balancer. That's all software. We're in a world of 100% software defined, but we all just kind of think it's the same thing and we don't dig into the details. So our knowledge is shallow and we're really set up to make mistakes. It is and that's challenging what even for the best professionals to have in-depth knowledge on just about everything. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a moving target. It's not possible. It's not possible. I would completely agree. It's so wait a minute, if you get somebody one of these video courses that has all the information, they can't just like watch it at high speed and know everything in sure. two months. Sure, it, just I, like again, Black I say Mirror, right? I, I say that sarcastically <laughs> yeah. because, you know, I have a subscription to one of those video training courses and, you know, I'm fortunate if I get maybe 20 hours a year into it. Yeah. I still yeah. keep it. I still like the subscription. I like it as a resource. It's really why, you know, look at the cloud providers are getting better all the time. They all know, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, they all absolutely know a hindrance to the adoption is the security issue. They all know. So they're working very, very hard to build out their security offerings, to offer more and more uh, services to avert and avoid risk. You're seeing them. But here's the issue. Most organizations are multi and or multi-hybrid, meaning they're not just all one flavor, right? And the minute you introduce... What do you mean by hybrid? Hybrid, I mean, I've got some on-premise, I've got some on-premise 
cloud, a la KVM or VMware or some and, and other? And of course, they've organized and coordinated all of this. Everybody's talking to the IT person, and they all know what oh, they have. Oh, I'm, yes, more sarcasm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is also the problem, right? It's the right? shadow IT in organizations uh, where uh, they uh, sit in place the policy, and then the marketing department ignores the policy and does their own thing. And the fact of the matter is, in the days of our private data center getting virtualized, I still had much more control than now if I'm doing that in the cloud because so I can get to it from anywhere. Your title here is, is evangelist, and you've had yep. this title at a number of companies. What's the difference between an evangelist and a marketing professional? How do you differentiate yourself as, as someone who has the enthusiasm you carry forward? And, and how do you define evangelist versus somebody who's just a marketing professional? You know, that's a really good question. And, you know, I was personally first exposed to or first saw an evangelist in the technology industry when I saw Guy Kawasaki from Apple. And so for me... Early in my career in technology, I had a real affinity for what he was doing. There were, there were a lot of quote-unquote evangelists at Apple, the most famous of all being Steve Jobs. True, but, but Guy Kawasaki was the only one that actually in the 80s, he had, that was his title on his business card. Steve Jobs had other titles on his card. Guy Kawasaki's title was evangelist, nothing else. And what his job was, was to go out and increase the awareness, uh, the, the understanding of the message of what Apple was really all about at that time. And it wasn't what the industry was doing. It was quite a departure. It wasn't just technical. It wasn't just marketing. It wasn't just PR. It wasn't just storytelling. It was really all of those things. So in the context here, you're not just talking about Dome 9. You're talking about a whole category. Dome 9 is servicing that category. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, I would say, you know, I'm certainly a representative for the company I work for, Checkpoint. And in the same way that when I joined Checkpoint some 20 years ago, the first time around, I joined under this title of Meta IP Evangelist, which was the product they had acquired. But I really viewed my role as one of a representative, a hood ornament, if you will, for the car, right? I, I mean, one of the first things you're going to recognize when it comes around the corner, you're going to associate and understand what it means, but really it doesn't have anything to do with the engine, the drivetrain, or anything else. And that's kind of what I feel like I do. I go out and I represent the company in the very best, most positive light, but I do it with credibility because I've been in this business a long time and I'm not just blowing smoke. And so I'll tell you straight up, if what you're looking for is not really best met with my solution, I think that integrity at the end of the day is what you gotta have. So as we sort of come to the end of 15 minutes here and, and people are thinking, you know, I've got stuff going to the cloud, I'm thinking about moving to the cloud. What are some bite-sized takeaways that you could offer someone to think about as they are either in their cloud implementation or they're thinking about a cloud implementation or they have a hybrid cloud implementation, where do they go? What, what, what's a thought you so, want to leave them with? Selfless plug, listen to my podcast because of the guests I have. I've got some brilliant, really, really smart So how do people find guests. you? Of course, on LinkedIn under my name, Grant Asplund. My podcast is called Talking Cloud. 
And uh, you can find it in Apple, on Google, also in Podbean. What I would recommend, and I really would recommend listening to the first I've published. The first one was with Patrick Benoit, a CISO, who really outlined what's most important before you go into the cloud is know where all your data is, know where all your controls are, have everything prepared before you jump in. Do your homework. Absolutely, because the biggest mistake is if you get in, you jump in, and you haven't done that, Cats are out of the barn. It's, you know, chickens are out of the barn, whatever you want to say. It's, it's, it's over. The next guest yeah, I had... Yeah, us tech people are famous for mixing our metaphors. Yes, well, I'm good at it. My, my next guest, Kevin McMahon, Senior Vice President and Chief Compliance Officer for Calpine Corporation, a $10 billion power company. He talked about the challenge with education, the resources, the knowledge. So my other recommendation would be look to your cloud providers for the free, let me emphasize, free cloud training. Wait, wait, wait. You're selling a product and you're telling people to look at free stuff? It's because integrity Mind matters. Blown. Yeah. No, but I mean, it's really, there is, now you have to put up with the Alexa voice and little cartoon characters on the screen, but the data is rich. It's really, really good. And, you know, Gartner has publicly stated at least, Robert, at least, which in my book means it's going to be more, 95% of all cloud failures in the public cloud are going to be the customer's fault. So all you got to we, do We've is, heard that mentioned by some of the other guests on the podcast. It's, people, it's, people are making mistakes, implementation mistakes. They're not doing their homework. So the recommendation is take advantage of the free training and get, get trained. And look to partners, look to third parties to provide the tools because they're out there that can keep you on the rails. Those bumpers down the lanes of the, the bowling alley that are going to make sure that you, you don't throw a gutter ball. Grant, thank you for your time today. It was definitely a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, uh, people can find you on LinkedIn, as you mentioned. Yep. And uh, just once again, do you have a Twitter handle? or So my Twitter is uh, G Asplund. My Instagram is be granted, and I'm at LinkedIn is just my name, Grant Asplin, and of course my, my podcast is Talking Cloud. Thank you very much, Robert. It was a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the Information Security Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, you can listen to more from the Information Security Summit 2019 featuring keynotes and behind-the-scenes interviews with some of the Summit's speakers by subscribing to the Information Security Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Or go to informationsecuritysummit.org. We'd like to give special thanks to our sponsors, ASMGI and Bright Skies. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay secure. Stay secure.